0: The following has been adapted from an article by David Padfield of the Church of Christ in Zion, Illinois entitled The Crucifixion of Christ. On the Sunday before his death on the cross Jesus triumphantly entered the city of Jerusalem. On that Monday he spoke of his impending death and by Friday he was dead. The death of Christ embraces the sum and total of our salvation. The story of the cross was the central theme of the preaching of the apostles. Simply put, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the foundation of the gospel and of our hope of eternal salvation. Many people ask the question, why did Christ have to die? You see, our sins have separated us from God. Ezekiel 18.20, Isaiah 59, one through two, and Romans 3.23 are but a few of the many passages in the Bible that speak of the sinfulness of man and the punishment of sin being death. In the Old Testament, in order for sins to be removed, blood had to be shed. Instead of a man dying as a result of his sins, God allowed an animal to be sacrificed in his place and thus roll the sins forward by one year. We needed a better sacrifice. Now picture the scene as John the Baptist saw Jesus walking toward him and hear John announce, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1 How fitting that the Lamb of God be born in a stable. It is also equally interesting that His first visitors were shepherds. But we see Jesus, according to scripture, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone, Hebrews 2.9. On the Thursday evening before His betrayal, Christ partook of one last Passover meal with His disciples After supper, he traveled across the Kildren Valley and entered the Garden of Gethsemane. His hour had then come. Through the agony and stress of his upcoming death, he prayed that the cup would pass from him. Nonetheless, he prayed that the will of the Father would be done. Later, that evening, soldiers from the chief priest came with swords and clubs. Judas, one of his own disciples, betrayed him. Peter, impetuously, cut off one of the ears of one of the servants of the high priest. After healing the man's ear, Jesus reprimanded Peter and reminded him that he could have called twelve legions of angels to save him from this death, but that was not his plan or purpose. Christ was brought before the Sanhedrin and Caiaphas the high priest, even though it was illegal for the Sanhedrin to put anyone on trial at night. The Bible tells us that now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against him to put him to death, but found none. According to the law of Moses, a person could not be put to death except for the testimony and witness of two or three people, and those testimonies had to agree perfectly. The Bible also tells us that even though many false witnesses came forward against Christ, their testimonies were all different. Nonetheless, the high priest announced that Christ was guilty of blasphemy. Our Lord was then struck, beaten, spat upon, and mocked. During this mockery, Peter denied him three times. Luke, in his gospel account, noted that the Lord looked at Peter, and Peter immediately wept. We also know that Judas, being full of remorse for betraying Jesus, hung himself. It was now early Friday morning, and Jesus was battered, bruised, dehydrated, and exhausted. His face would have been covered with his own blood and the spit of his accusers. He was now taken across the city of Jerusalem to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. Jewish leaders called the governor outside to ask a favor. They wanted a death sentence, but Pilate made it difficult. We have to wonder with what tone of voice Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? We can see Pilate burning at the answer Christ gave him, but Pilate could find no fault in Christ. Our Lord was then taken to Herod Antipas, the tetrarch of Judea. Jesus remained silent before his accusers, and we're reminded of the words of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53, seven. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. Again he was mocked, a robe was placed on him, and he was sent back to Pilate. In response to a mob, Pilate offered to release either Jesus or a notorious thief and murderer named Barabbas. The mob demanded that Christ be crucified and Barabbas be set free. Imagine, the firstborn of all creation compared to a filthy felon. We see the full meaning of the statement in John 1.11, he came to his own and his own received him not. Pilate ordered that Jesus be scourged. It is very important to understand that Jesus was not merely whipped or flogged or stripped. He was scourged. Romans called it halfway death. It could only be administered by a trained Roman soldier called a lictor. Jesus would have been stripped and tied to a post with his hands above his head. The lictor would use a flagellum, a leather whip, made with thongs of leather, and along each thong would have been embedded pieces of bone or lead, so that it would cut deeper into the flesh. The Jewish historian Josephus spoke of a man who was uh, scourged until his bones were bare. Eusebius spoke in another instance of a person being scourged until their deepest veins and arteries were exposed, and even the inner organs of the body were seen. Here we can again recall the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 53.5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Christ was then untied, and undoubtedly fell to the floor. A scarlet robe was put on him, a crown of thorns was pressed into his head, and a reed was put into his hand as a false or fake scepter. He was blindfolded, and the soldiers mocked him again. Again we hear the words of Isaiah, I gave my back to those who strike me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. The blood around his open wounds would have begun to clot but when the soldiers ripped the robe off, his wounds would have begun to bleed again. Pilate only wanted to scourge Christ, but when the people charged that he was not properly defending Caesar, he ordered Christ be crucified on a cross. Crucifixion was a Roman, not a Jewish form of punishment. The Romans allowed all who cared to witness the horrible spectacle free to do so. The Romans thought it necessary to rule by terror and chose for capital offenses the forms of punishment which they considered the most cruel. The Roman orator, Cicero, called crucifixion the most cruel and hideous of tortures. The offender's hands and feet would be bound, often nailed to wood. A projecting block would be supporting the backbone of the feet. And unless mercifully killed, a person would linger for two or three days, suffering the agony of immobility, unable to brush away the insects from the open wounds, feeling the pain bursting because arteries could not circulate blood, feeling the agony until the heart failed and death would come by suffocation. Oftentimes, the Romans themselves considered the punishment so horrible that they would offer the victim a type of drink in order to numb the pain. He was given the cross to carry to his own place of execution. Despite his efforts to walk erect, he fell and as he would have fallen, the rough wood would have gouged into his body. At Golgotha, the place of crucifixion, Jesus would have been thrown back onto the rough wood and spikes driven into his hands. After being raised up, his left foot would be pressed back against his right, and a nail driven in. The Son of Man was now crucified. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land, Matthew twenty-seven forty-five. In bitter irony, Pilate ordered a sign placed over the cross, in letters Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, that read, "The King of the Jews." The Roman soldiers, who witnessed the events, said, Surely this was the Son of God. As they saw, the events of the earth began to change. For when Christ died, the veil in the temple was ripped in two. And during this time, the earth began to quake, and rocks began to split open. Many greatly feared what was happening. When Jesus was taken down from the cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, On the third day he arose from the grave, never again to die. Forty days later he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. One day he will come again. This is the story that never grows old. We must tell our children so that their hearts will be touched. All gospel sermons preached since that day have pointed back to this wonderful story. But we do not preach it to make people feel sorry for Christ. We preach it so that people can see the enormity of sin and its consequences. The innocent had to die for the guilty. Romans 5, seven through nine. The apostle John wrote while he was exiled on the island of Patmos that he who loved us washed us from our sins with his own blood. Revelation 1, five. As we are baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, we are baptized into his death. Romans 6 1 through 4. In in baptism we reenact the death burial and resurrection of our Lord. The accompanying video is provided by ShareFaith and is graphic. The crucifixion of Christ was a violent excruciating act. The video depicts the torture pain and death of our Lord. The video is offered in hopes of helping people better understand John 3:16 and what is meant by "he gave his only begotten son."